Who's behind this? Are you kidding me? I've been stabbed nine times. I've got permanent nerve damage and a fun little limp. You think I want to do that again? Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSweatation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. We've been um, so just to start things off, we uh, we had a little complaint from the last episode that uh, there was too much um, breathing noises on the show, and uh, did want to apologize for that. Um, Martin has been going through and a bad asthma attack. Of late, I thought I thought it was emphysema. Uh, both, you have emphysema and asthma, and um, the pharmacy wasn't able to get his inhaler, and <laughs> also um, the durable medical equipment facility w- uh, did not have the oxygen tank in stock, uh, and the insurance required prior auth. So um, Martin has been struggling of late, and. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there, you know, some some medical concerns over here on Blood and Black Rum podcast, leading to poor quality audio. Well, why don't you, you know, for this episode, start off by playing in the arms of an angel right now, like so. It's like for your donation yeah, right for, now. Yeah, your your subscription will help cover these <laughs> health concerns for the for the hosts. Ryan with his fucking gimpy eye that's potentially has retina detachment and martin with his emphysema now i'm, I'm joking or uh, long or long COVID could be long COVID. could be long COVID. that's right no i'm joking we've been um we did have that complaint uh which is completely you know thanks for listening to us we appreciate that for one thing like someone listened long enough <laughs> to know that we had audio issues that's that's always a, a good thing um but no um we definitely t- we take all that stuff into into you know we we have concern about that we want the audio to be the best we can obviously we're not a huge podcast or anything um, but we we try our best and if someone says the audio isn't up to snuff then we're gonna try some different things to make sure that it is so uh, we went back to the drawing board a little bit and I think Martin switched around his audio setup a little bit um, just to let everybody know too we are still remote so normally I have a little bit better of a studio for us to do when we record in my house um you know obviously it's not a studio but it is uh set up a little bit better so that we are together and the the podcast kind of sounds a little bit better and i'm 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 able to do a little bit more editing in that setup than i am with our current remote setup because of the limitations of how we record um but we tried to take that in consideration and uh martin switched up his uh his area a little bit and i think we've cut down on some of the breathing <laughs> uh the the uh the excess breathing that's that's put off here so <clears throat> i'm just trying to do my best uh brainy impression from hey arnold that's right that's right yeah you like nuggets <sighs> but 
in all seriousness, thanks for throwing that out there. Uh, you know that we had had some audio issues, and we'll definitely try to improve. I tried to edit out the stuff, but it just it wasn't working. And the 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 reason for that too is that like our uh, what we're using to record remotely is sort of limited. And it, it, I looked into the pro version of it that we could have like a lot more options, and uh, it's like fucking twenty two dollars a month. And I was like, well, our podcast definitely ain't bringing in twenty two dollars a month, so that's that's money out of pocket for me. So I uh, I decided against doing the pro model. We'll, we'll stick to the free version. Why can't Why can't a company just sell something for? You buy the license and you own it. You own, yeah, yeah, and it, it, because because then where's that? Like you don't have return customers. It's, well, yeah, so like it's the business model. Well, I know, so they don't operate. You know, they don't update operating systems. You know, like once every seven years now. So it's like, oh, you have Office, got to pay one hundred and thirty dollars for it every year. Mm-hmm. If you really want to use an Excel spreadsheet, you know, can't just buy it and yours. Yeah, but uh, I think we done. I think we done some some good on here. Um, so to get into this, um, we are going to do, uh, one of the movies that we had said that we were going to, we wanted to do for some time now. Um, we've, we've wanted to do, um, scream and I'll, I'll, I don't know. What do you want to refer to it as on the show? Just scream. Scream five. Okay. We'll refer to it as scream five. So there's no confusion. Um, I was going to say we, we've done scream. How dare you? Yeah. We, we, we've done them all. We, We've, we've wanted to do Scream 5 since it came out. Um, obviously, with COVID and uh, things like that, we weren't able to get to the theater to see it. So we um, decided to wait until it came out on streaming services. And, um, you know, and we were eventually we were going to wait for it to come out on Blu-ray and stuff. But, um, you know, it came out on streaming services so quickly that uh, we were able to get, get that and, and have a watch. Um, as you know, we've done all of the Scream movies so far. Uh, we actually did them in marathon. Um, we, Back in May, and, uh, June of 2019. Yeah, we we did the the Scream series, and what was that? What did we do that for? Was there a reason we did that? <clears throat> I, I, I can't even remember, it, or if it was just like a thing that we did. We were just like, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just do all the screams. Um, I can't remember, but we did them all, and obviously we 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 we're pretty big fans of Scream. Um, you know, more so the original and Scream Four for me than the other two. But uh, way to go! You're you're, st- you're stealing my thunder. That was that was my. You're gimmick. gonna go being, there too, yeah. Being the Scream Four fan, right? Scream Four was a really good return to the series, which doesn't often happen in sequels. And then so Scream Five comes around. And it's at the perfect time, really, right? It's at the it's at the time where requels are really doing their thing. Um, Halloween being the big one, you know, Halloween twenty eighteen um, is is one of those movies that uh, now all of the the production companies and and uh, you know places are looking to as an inspiration or as a success story to bring back franchises. <clears throat> so they did it with uh, Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the Netflix movie, which we just covered. Uh, and they did it for Scream. And Scream. so the interesting thing, too, about Scream 5 is that it's actually coming at a time 
during the recoil craze, which is not necessarily the same as what Scream did in the original Scream, where it came at the tail end of the slasher craze. Even, I wouldn't even say tail end, it was more so like the slasher craze had died down. And then Scream came out with its meta commentary to reinvigorate the slasher franchise. Scream 5 is kind of like trying to have your cake and eat it too, where the requel has not necessarily become the biggest thing out there. It is, you know, it, it, it certainly has had quite a few um, offerings, particularly, like we said, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, you, can, you can lump the Star Wars sequels in there as well um but i would say that scream is coming like in the midst of a requel uh, craze instead of like what scream the original one did is come after the slasher craze first of all um how dare you you're short selling new nightmare uh yeah i I guess yeah the prototype for scream sure um two um i I think this is the second legacy sequel. Scream Four was that you know ahead of its time in being you know a requel. Mm-hmm. I mean there were still like you know there were a at the time back in you know the mid or you know early 2010s where you had like the Evil Dead remake and a couple of others coming out where you know they're just like straight out remakes where Scream Four took the route of this is going to be a sequel but it's also going to be a soft reboot of the franchise. And so Scream 5, 10 years later, we're, if you ask me, in very familiar territory in what it's trying to say for the most part. It has a lot of the same points that were made within Scream 4. They just add kind of the more um, Reddit-y backlash, you know, uh, fandom to it as well. Because there's a lot of, you know, in Scream 4, that was one of, you know, the big points of the film was uh, how to handle a soft reboot. Yeah, I think, like, I just found it interesting. Like, Scream is trying to riff on the requel. I'm sorry, I keep referring to it. Scream 5 is trying to riff on the requel, and it's sort of, like, in the midst of the requel, right? Like, I don't, I don't know that that craze has died down. It's sort of, like, capitalizing on the craze at the same time as it's critiquing it which is well i think i mean that's fine i mean that's i think that's kind of the point mm-hmm. you know um and it's very fruitful ground because fans keep bitching and bitching and bitching mm-hmm. no matter what the franchise is yeah yeah i i think that's true i mean so scream 5 seems to like in the meta element of its approach it recognizes the fact that it's in itself a requel it is a uh it is it is uh it doesn't have everything going for it that the other screams had because um unfortunately Wes craven is not at the helm at this point uh we don't have kevin williamson writing it and it it totally understands the um the potential for it to go down in flames because of those issues, you know, um, 
as we've seen in, in multiple types of uh, remakes or requels. Um, and the film even mentions many of them. You know, it mentions Black Christmas being one. <laughs> well, of which them. which which one? Sorry. Yeah, it, <laughs> it mentions, I and mean, I think that what they mean is the newest one because ultimately this film is made. For, <laughs> I should say it's made for the Gen Zers because it really, it it uh, almost doesn't even have the knowledge of earlier horror movies. Um, even the ones that it name drops are extremely recent, very popular films from the, um, you know, from the tens, right? So the name dropping of things like Hereditary, The Babadook, The Witch, um, you know, I get what they're doing, but at the same time, it doesn't have like the historical backdrop that I feel like Scream the original had. And that's sort of like a, I guess that's like kind of like a gatekeeping problem. That it's like, oh, it's too on the nose, it's too mainstream. Um, well, you're an old man now, so that's, that's right. You're, yeah, you're. Same. It's your turn to gatekeep now. These fucking. So the thing that like really annoys me is like when you go on to a like a subreddit, like the R horror subreddit on Reddit. And you see literally, like, post after post after post, and it's like, I love The Witch. I love The Babadook. I love It Follows, literally, like, all the time. Um, like what where you th- it, What'd you, what you think of Midsummer? Enjoyed it. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy any of those movies, but what I am saying is that there's almost like a, an echo chamber of just constantly re- visiting those things as like the 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 top of the line for horror and there's more movies than that right like there's it and i'm not even saying like you have to go back in time you have to go to the old movies there's there's more movies from the tens than those movies that were good um and the and scream scream five seems to you know be stuck on the fact that we're like we're in that era but at the same time, see, uh, to play the devil's advocate here, that's kind of what our generation and previous generations have done with certain films. Like, you know, Gen X can't get over that Ghostbusters got raped by women. I guess. You know, yeah. they're like, how, how can you put women in Ghostbusters? And it's just not funny. And where's Bill Where's where's Bill Murray? And Harold Ramis is rolling over in his grave, you know? It's like, listen, guess... Ghost, Ghostbusters is a great film. It's not in the pant. I mean, I really enjoy Ghostbusters really funny it's a great film it's not like in the pantheon of like the hallowed halls of like filmmaking like in this oh no it is it is no it's not sorry it's not (laughs) no i'm joking i've never really subscribed to that either of like oh we remake it it's gonna ruin my interpretation of the original um we should know we watched texas chainsaw massacre do you still like the original yes did that remake ruin it for you no and that's one thing too i mean because i i used to be i mean when I was in my youth you know fight get fiery and passionate about like bastardizations of like material that i liked but now that i'm older like i just like it's like with star wars like again i agree like the last jedi well the whole force awakens last jedi rogue one and uh han solo solo or whatever they were crap not very good 
annoyed me for a little bit, but you know what? I've, I've moved on. I still haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, but even as a big Star Wars fan, I know I have other things in the media that's so vast that I could look to. Like, I, it doesn't, like, anger me and, like, get, like, me, like, I, like, I'm so, I can't believe it. Like, even if I eventually, when I eventually watch the Cowboy Bebop Netflix show, and I'm like, and it's, like, it ends up being the trash that everyone says it is, I'm like, well, that was a waste of time. But you know what? Oh, well. And I still have the original to look for, you know, look to for comfort. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, I think at a certain point you just have to move on. Be like that when that's not for me. So okay, but if it gets other people into Star Wars, whatever, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know. Like that's fine. something I've been. It's something I've been struggling with, like with Gundam for like years now. It's like, oh, it's so, such such crap that they make. But you know what? It's not for me. Yeah. I don't understand how anyone likes Seed. I mean, that show still kind of gets my dander up a little bit, but, I mean, that's what we've come and gone now because the people who got into Seed now are my age because that's when Seed came out, so. Yeah. All right, so we should take a break before we get any further into our Scream 5 talk. We're, we've we really devolved into uh, old man bitching at Cloud here. It's old man yells at Cloud. Get your, Sim- <laughs> get your Simpsons. Uh, no, I'm bitching at Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bitching at Cloud. It's not just yelling. Um, no, but we'll take a break, and we'll talk about the beer that we have on the show today because we got a nice one on here. I'll let you take it away because you you uh, you looked up how to pronounce it, so you go ahead because I, 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 I honestly got to say I forgot now that we've been talking. I was going to say. I completely I, forgot how we were supposed oh to pronounce my. it. Hold I think on. it was Vian's, Vian's Defoner. Vian Stefaner. Hold on, I forgot All right, too. You, because you this pull is up a, the pronunciation because this is a we 7%. were prepared. We should say this: we were prepared. We were ready. We were, we had it all ready to go. We knew how to pronounce it. We practiced it four or five times before the show. Then we got sidetracked on other things. We started the intro. Now we've forgotten how to do it again. So, what do you got? Um, hold on. I'm oh typing. my God! Well. Well, I have my keyboard set further up, so I don't really type. Well, I'm going to take it away, and then if it's wrong, it's wrong, and you can correct me after. Vian Stefaner. Vetus. Thinking I got that right. Say it again. Vian Stefaner. Again. Vian Stefaner. Again. Vian Stefaner. <laughs> Did I get it or not? Hold on, hold on. Vien Stefano. It's it's Vihan Stefano. That's right. You gotta have the 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 Sean Connery. Vihan Stefano. Vihan Stefano. I should know. I have family that lives in Bavaria yeah. still to yeah. this day. Yeah. So anyway, we have Vihan Stefano on the show today. Uh, the Vi the Vitus Vitus the Vitus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> completely completely destroy the name of this one, but. Anyway, it is way to their... ru- way to ruin the name of the world's oldest brewery, <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, that and it says right on the box too, the world's oldest brewery. So anyway, it's a Wiesenbach, and what's I... that? So it is a Bach that is a Bavarian beer from Germany, which is. That what do you mean? Which is what? Which well, what? Which, what? Why is it a Wiesenbach? There it's you wheat. go. It's a wheat. It's a wheat bock. Wiesen. 
means wheat in German. If you don't speak German, I speak German. You know, we can tell from here. <laughs> very good at it. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, wow, the whole, the whole, the whole name of Vienstefaner's Bayer's Reich Stutzenbrauerei Wiesen. They were like, <laughs> you know what? We don't have enough box for that. <laughs> Just put Vienstefaner on there. Um, yeah, but it's a it's a Wiesenbach. Um, I've never had a Wiesenbach before. And what I can say is it is it is somewhat similar to a Hefeweizen. Um, because it has the banana clovey flavor to it um, with a nice uh, malt backbone. And in this case, it is very um, unfiltered, very uh, cloudy uh, from the wheatness of it. And ultimately, I think this guy is a really tasty boy, as I like to call it. It's a tasty boy. Um, it's, a, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... <laughs> from drinking it you don't realize how much alcohol content is actually in this beer because it is strong it's 7.7 percent but it does not taste like it it goes down way too easy for being that high of alcohol content it's not yeah, a slow uh, sipper <clears throat> no it's not um i like this a lot i was a little scared you know, reading the craft beer uh, definition of Wiesenbach. Because, I mean, we've had a couple of box, um, you know, just traditional box, Hellas box, double box, doppel, you know. Um, but I don't think I've ever had a Wiesenbach either. So it's uncharted territory for me, too. Um, At least not by name. But, not like you know, like yeah. not specifically referred to as Wiesenbach. But so, you know, I was kind of worried because a lot of box, most of them, aren't really – Hefeweizen-y, they're much more, you know, tr like dark fruits, uh, grapes, plums, figs, that kind of thing that both Brian and I are not fans of. And this has a slight, it, it definitely tastes like a Hefeweizen. It's got all that delightful clove, banana taste to it, nice, you know, allspice taste to it. But it also does because it's a because it is a Wiesenbach and it's made with the wheat that gives it that dark, rich character. It def it definitely does have like a nice breadiness to it that's you know is much more pronounced than you would say when you have like a like regular Hefeweizen. And it also does give a slight like dark fruit taste to it, like a, ra a slight raisininess to it, like the pair with the biscuitiness. That being said, even the the fact that it's got this big Hefeweizen character to it, you know, it makes that, like, totally enjoyable for me. And the 7 point, as you said, right, the 7.7% alcohol is not noticeable. It's delightfully drinkable. It's the springtime Hefeweizen. This is delightful. I need to have more. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, I agree. I, I think that this is a really solid beer. If you've listened to the show before, you you know that we really enjoy German beers, authentic German beers. Um, we've actually had the Wiehenstefaner um, Hefeweizen at one point. Uh, can't say that I particularly remember what it tastes like, um, but I would be curious to compare the Vetus and the um, Hefeweizen to see how they differ. Because this beer does remind me quite a bit of a Hefeweizen. Um 
but I think there are some key differences that I would like to confirm by it's having them de- back to back. It's definitely breadier. Mm-hmm. Definitely got more like raisiny fig taste to it. I do but, think that the Hefeweizen is a little bit lighter um, than what you get from this. Even though this really does go down easy, um, I think the Hefeweizen is just a little bit on the lighter side. But delightful. I like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure when we did when we did the he- their Hefeweizen, I apologized profusely because originally when we first had Hefeweizens, we both did not care for them at all. And now that we're older, more wiser, see the error in our way. That's right. That's right, we do. All right, so uh, thanks, thanks, uh, Hody, for bringing those over our way. Appreciate that. Um, otherwise, I don't know if I would have uh, ever really ventured on this. I mean, maybe at some point, but uh, you know, certainly, certainly not uh, recently. Now, as much as I, I would say, as much as I would like to buy a lot, because I like you know Paul and her and. Yeah, th- this as much as I would like to buy them, the upcharge here is ridiculous. So, mm-hmm. you know, six a half brow, you know, it's like fourteen ninety nine six pack. It's like, ugh. Now, at, a, uh, <laughs> at some point, we need to try the Vihenstefan or Festbier, which we have not had before. Ooh, which sounds delightful. I know, but that's a Festbier, not a Marzen. Oh, and they have a Winter Festbier too. Ooh. <laughs> oh boy we gotta try those man they have that like 20 delicious. 20 beers when i was on their website i was mm-hmm. like holy crap they have like four different versions yeah. of like their hellas you know hellas lager they pump them out this is the world's oldest brewery they're going to yeah they still have monks you know toiling away in <laughs> the caves get that cask open monk <laughs> Whoa. It's from it's uh, the cask of Amontillado. <laughs> All right, we need, to do, we need to do more Poe on this show. Yeah, we do. We do. We need to be more literary. We're gonna get Poe and Lovecraft in here, and uh, whoa, just uh, revel in racism, right? <laughs> oh, is Poe racist too? No, just Lovecraft. I don't think Poe oh. po had Poe had too much uh. tragedy in his life to be racist. He couldn't fucking focus on hating one race. Wasn't Poe an abolitionist? Um, or am I, I just thinking of Henry David Thoreau? I don't know. I don't know that he was now. I don't. I don't know the. Uh, I don't know. Something to look into, I guess. Look at that! Look at that! He. I'm on Poe's Wikipedia page. He didn't even have a photograph. He's got a fucking autograph. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, like I said, he had too much tragedy in his life to really worry about anything else. All right, let's talk about Scream 5. Scream 5. Scream 2022. Scream 2022. Scream. I'm screaming because of how mediocre it is. All right, oh, let's... Oh, so, uh, so, so you're um, the bad guy in Fury Road. Why am I drawing a blood? And Morton Joe, you're just yelling mediocre at the screen? Mediocre. mediocre. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of that was me. Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching. All right, let's talk about the opening of the movie right off the bat because that is one scene that I thought actually went down pretty well. Um, the opening is like – You're wrong. What? There's Here's why this film's wrong to begin with. Right off the bat, a landline's ringing in 2020. 
That is so true. I mean, <gasps> no one's they- paying Time Warner an extra seventy-five fucking dollars to have a landline in their house these days when well, you're paying a two hundred dollar cell phone bill. You know, I no. think it depends because, like, my parents have a, have a, still have a landline. They're yeah, they're you- just so reluctant to say, "I've had this I've had this phone number for like twenty-five years. I can't get rid of it." What if it goes to someone else undeserving of my phone number? You know. Well, now they moved on. They moved they've on. They got a different the area code. Well, I say that we don't have the five one eight anymore. So I mean, that's. I mean, that's true. I mean, you might want to hold on mm-hmm. to it. Like, no, that's. But it's a relic but, of a past age. But I mean, no. That, At some point, that, Smithsonian's going to be coming to you and like you had the five one eight area code. But no, I'll say. But no, that I mean, that that did annoy me because it's like who the fuck. Especially because I, these, you know what these are, I was these looking are, for? These are these are they're Gen Zers, so their right. parents are probably like late Gen X, early millennial. Well, not only that, but if they're living in Woodboro, we've seen the houses and the school that's at Woodboro, right? It's like fucking yeah. college campuses. So the people that are living there are extremely rich. So there's two scenarios: like either they're so rich they forgot they have a landline, right? <laughs> they're just like we have one. <laughs> No one's called. <laughs> they forgot they're still paying the bill. Or <laughs> they, they don't even check, they check the bill like, no, they don't. like from Verizon or whatever. Like it oh, shows up, dish. someone else pays it. <laughs> Their accountant pays it, <laughs> and it, the phone's never rang before, so it was a surprise. It's been twenty years since someone's rang that phone. Yeah. So so either that, or they uh, you know they they don't care. That they have this landline, um, be, just because you know they're just keeping it around, just just in case, uh, for emergencies or something. Because we know, like, and and even in this movie too, like it, the film makes it really clear. The people that live in this this town, or at least the houses that we see, they're like ridiculously priced houses, very big, um, bigger than your average like normal small town house like because that's the that's the thing about scream too is scream loves to indicate that woodboro is like kind of a small town close-knit community and then everything about it everything that we see about the town screams that it's not right like it's not a small town community we're just sitting large where does Sydney live? Oh, in this palatial estate on like right. a riverbank, like right, exactly. like john carpenter's or, uh the fog or it's Stu's house or like, not oh, not only that like it you know they, it, it just is a large community because Woodboro is also a county, so it's like the the center of the county too. It's they want they like you to think like it's small town, uh, USA, but it's really not. It's large, and the people that live there are fairly rich, living in manors, um, and and that that has always been the thing that and we've talked about that in the you know like in the original Scream movie is like who what what school are these kids going to? You know, it's fucking massive, especially like, you know, even Henry Winkler's as the principal in there is like announcing it to a campus that stretches across town. Maybe we, that's like the norm and we just don't. We maybe, can't may, maybe because, we because just grew it, up in. I mean, I know we did, we grew up in a really small s- city and school, but I I just feel like the, the the idea of Woodboro is that it's it's a small town. And, and not only that, because like how small of a town does it make you believe when this film has literally people living in the same goddamn houses as the murders that took place in the original scream? 
I mean, the town hasn't changed at all. So, and not only that, but all her whole friend group is also living in all of the houses th- that the people in the original Scream film were living in. So, it's a this it's it wants you to think like this is a small, close knit community, but then everything else screams that it's not. Um, and like you said, we we also run into the saw issue of. How many roving bands of FBI agents do they have around the town? Because they know that this is like the fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer hell, you know, (laughs) it it literally spawns serial killers. So why do they not have profilers just sitting around just like, you know, analyzing like what that what that kid ran on this test? You know, like, fuck you. I'm going to kill everybody tomorrow. Like they should be getting integrating into the school. You know, most people have like behavioral health counselors integrating into the school. Woodboro well, needs a profiler integrating. Well, it's just funny because they have here, um, like somebody dies in like it's this small quaint little town. It's just the sheriff dealing with it. We had in our area, they found a dead body. It couldn't be confirmed to be like a murder or not. And they had fucking troopers, and like I think like maybe like one FBI person show up to be like all right let's let's, let's figure out how to you know solve this because in our small town we don't we don't even have cops we have a trooper barracks you know state trooper barracks but there was a whole to do like you know like oh did you see what's going on you know because yeah. usually all we yeah. all we have to deal with usually is your just opioid you know OD so I just find it hard to believe this town that has a history of twenty five years strong of producing mass serial killers that the FBI aren't like you know like if they sn- smell a dead body in Woodboro they don't have like two agents like getting sent down right away to be like alright let what the fuck's going on I, I also like how every movie seems to so to indicate like even though they've had so many murders in this town everybody on the police force is like super inept about it they're like uh murder uh should I grab a baggie should we like should we tape it off? You I know, know you would. Th- you would think they would have like a CSI Woodboro, the, like in yeah, this the universe. best of the best. Um, should we send it off to the lab? The town is the lab, <laughs> you know. Like, literally, people send the lab to us <laughs> because they have so much going on in this town. Yeah, I, I agree. the uh, The logistics of Woodboro do not make sense for the amount of history <laughs> that is going on in this town. Uh, and, and this film goes into that history in quite a bit too, you know, like they, they talk about it. They, they, they mention like, oh, I live in the, the same house where this bloodbath took place. I, uh, you know, we, you know, they know about Billy. They, they mention you know, the, the connection that they have with Billy. So the film recognizes the connection, but yet, you know, Woodboro has failed to prepare for the amount of issues that it knows that it will eventually have. You think Horatio Kane would be there by now, showing up on scenes, or at least Dewey at this point would be Horatio Kane walking around like as like he finds like another dead body, like yeah. Well, it looks like this person's not gonna have a scream. Yeah! <laughs> All right, so we kind of got off on a diatribe, but let's go back to the opening scene. Ah, yes, and and. And the other thing that you had mentioned, too, you had mentioned the the phone, which does bother me. But I also was expecting her to pull out a fucking Jiffy Pop that she's cooking on the stove from the original. 
And I, then I was really going to be upset because no one Ooh. cooks Jiffy Pop on the stove anymore. <laughs> I don't even think they cooked Jiffy Pop when Scream was out on the stove. No, I, I no, I mean, I think by '96 microwaves were pretty accessible. <laughs> yeah, do, you, right. do you think when you buy, do you think when you buy like a box of like Act Two or like Orville Redenbacher, like it still has like the, if you want to do it on the stove, it probably does. It probably does. <laughs> there are some people that like to be old fashioned like that. Actually, and you know, we don't even buy the the instant poppers anymore. We we use a, a nice like popcorn popping, and we use the the. the well, because you're the bougie. Because <clears throat> you're bougie. No, yeah. because we, we, we like the uh, the bland taste of corn. <laughs> That's how white you are. Like, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, how would you like your popcorn? No salt or butter on mine. I like to taste the. <laughs> no, we like the salt, just not the butter. I thought the opening scene was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, immediately I mean, it, it sets you. It, it gets you set in the mood, right? Like, because... Cause the shots, the the uh, the filmography of it, the you know, it's it's all very very reminiscent of the original. I mean, I get the fact that this is the film. This isn't, I guess, a critique. I guess it's more personal preference. I get that the film is basically it's remaking the first. Mm-hmm. I understand that. So I get like kind of like the beat for beat, you know, kind of similarity with the original. But I think it would have been so much better to be like do something different. Mm-hmm. Because that's why like why Scream 4 is opening so fucking good. Because it's like a take within a take within a take. I mean, that, again, that's because it's commenting on like, you know, the meta-ness and then the downfall of... Uh, you know the lessening returns that you get from sequels, while this being like a legacy sequel, you know you're another soft reboot. Well, hell, like there's not the commentary. There's no real commentary here. It's just a diff- a slightly different take on the original. And yeah. so I, I don't think it has, like, that much to offer. I mean, like, it gets you kind of set with what you're going to, like, be in store for. But, I mean, it doesn't really – I don't think really adds, any like, an extra layer of nuance to, like, that uh, the first film and four did for an opening. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it both ways. Like, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, which was basically a you know, an homage to the original. Um, but at the same time, I, I do see what you're saying, too, because – um, at a certain point, the the element of it continuing to go through the same motions, um, the like kind of shot for shots, the um, you know the return to the same ideas as the original, uh, the critique of requels while also being a requel uh, and falling into the same traps that the other requels have. Um, I you know I I I think like I said in the intro. They want to have it both ways. They want to have it so that they can critique a requel, but they are literally in the midst of being a requel. And I don't know that it works so much in, in Scream 5's favor to do that. Um, but I did enjoy the opening because I felt like it really got us in the mood for a Scream movie. Um, and then it kind of also um, – Dash's expectations that the opening scene is going to be your kill scene because they literally talk about that in the D 
the opening that, you know, in the Scream movies, the opening scene is the kill scene. And in this case, Tara, the the woman, the I should say, she's not really a woman, I guess. She's a girl. Uh, <laughs> she's she's supposed to be a younger girl. Um, in this case, survives. And so, you know, that, that kind of dashes the expectations of the viewer right off the bat, uh, which I liked. Um, at the same time, I think as we go further into the movie where it, again, continues to try to ape the original, that's where we run into major problems um, that we can talk about as we get to them. So, um, thinking about it, um, the way I rate the intros... Um, cause Scream 2 has like a commentary intro, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, Scream 2 has a nice intro. Yes, it does. With like, you know, the, you know, black perspective on horror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would probably say Scream 4, Scream 1, Scream 2, then this and Scream 3. Scream 3 doesn't really have an intro. It's just Cotton gets fucking yeah. Yeah. killed. Scream 3 and, has not so much an intro that I don't even really remember it. And Patrick Warburton gets killed. And that's pa- a disappointment. Remember, uh, to say, you remember Patrick Warburton's in Scream 3? Blink and you miss it. Yeah, right. <laughs> he should have He should have stayed around. Um, all right. The only so, thing that movie was missing was H. John Benjamin. Mm. That's true. They could have done like a Venture Brothers Archer crossover. With Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton and H. John Benjamin. It would have been ter- terrific. So, all right, so I don't want to get into, like, beat for beat everything that happens in this movie, but um, how do you feel about the way that the the new cast and the legacy cast is uh, introduced to the movie? Because in Scream 5, the idea is that we really get a new cast. We're getting a new cast of kids. Uh, which is, again, kind of set in homage to the original where we kind of center on the school and they're talking about a murder or a potential, uh, an almost murder in this case that took place. And uh, then we, we, we basically meet all these new kids, uh, new characters, and, and eventually we get the legacy characters who are called back to Woodboro because of the return of Ghostface. What did you think about the new characters and how they brought the legacy characters in? Ah, well, the, <clears throat> the new characters, um, unlike Scream 4, with like uh, Colkin brother number nine and Hayden Hayden uh, Yeah. Um, Hayden Panacotta. <laughs> Manicotta. <laughs> um, you know, I mean... But again, it could be nostalgia here talking. But I mean, to me, they were much more like you know, I don't know, I don't know if nuanced is the word, but they were more nuanced and like uh, <clears throat> charismatic and likable group of young little ruffians and scamps. Um, here, I'm not saying these people are unlikable because they don't really have much to go off of. There's not really <clears> any <throat> excuse me, anything that really sticks out from any of the characters that we mm. kind of get out of the new group. Yep. Um that make I, them kind of noteworthy. Yeah. They're incredibly just blank slates and I mean I'm I like I'm not saying that's like an attribute of the acting. I think it's more of like the characterization and the writing because I don't think the script really gives them any room mm-hmm. to be characters. They're just kind of like there to be 
pawns that get knocked down later. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I I I would uh, 100% agree that 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 was my major concern as well. Is that you know these are characters, uh, new characters, but they do not have the the characterization that you know the original Scream got for characters. They do not have uh, you know what Scream Four had, um, and I think that is a that's a, a a low point of the script. I think the script itself is not that good in general. Um, it's not well written uh, from a dialogue standpoint. And you can very, very easily tell, like, immediately, uh, wow, this is not written by Kevin Williamson. There are just beats that just don't either make sense or the dialogue just seems stilted and off. And I think that's really the biggest problem with Scream 5 is that the script is not solid. It's soapy. Um, it's very soapy. It's very melodramatic. Like the whole scene in the hospital <clears throat> with uh, Tara and her sister, um, so so melodramatic, so um, fake emotional, <laughs> and um, it it has like some almost like a PSA sort of thing. It's like you know, I learned uh, it from you. Yeah, like like be careful of uh, the secrets that you keep in your life because your kids may find them and do drugs. You know, it's like, it's, it, you know, cause the film, I get what it's going for here. Like obviously finding out that your, your father, your real father was a serial killer. That's going to be, that's going to mess you up. Right. You, you didn't know that. But at the same time, the, the film takes it in like this really high level direction of, of just like, yeah. So I found that out and then I did a bunch of drugs cause drugs are bad, man. But you know what? I had to turn then- to them. And then your sister's like, well, I just got stabbed. Don't drop this shit on me. Like, instead <laughs> yeah. of being like, whoa. Yeah, no. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's so melodramatic. It's just, I don't, I, it, it doesn't work very well. I, and I, I think that that is in large part the script. It just doesn't have a good storyline. And I think, I think too much they're trying too hard to have these people be just like, they're supposed to be, again, stand ins for the original cast. But at the same time, like it's not like they're not stand-ins because they don't have the character that the originals, <clears throat> the original excuse me, the original cast had. You know, sure they they were stereotypes, but they had nuance to them. Here it's just kind of like okay, you're the movie fan. You're mm-hmm. you know you're the, you're our Randy stand-ins. You're our you know uh, Rosario Dawson. Not Rosario Dawson. Jesus Christ, what the hell. Why am I drawing a blank on her goddamn name? She's in charm. The one that was in Charmed. Um, Rose. You're talking about Rose. Yeah, Rose McGowan. McGowan? Yeah, like you're. Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're a Rose McGowan stand, and you're. You know, you're Nev Campbell. We even got you mocked up to look just like you know Nev. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So I mean, like again, I I don't think it's a fault of acting, right, or really even direction. I think it's more just the script. Which is shocking, too, because it's almost a two-hour film, and the fact that there isn't that kind of depth and nuance to them (laughs) is a little, it's kind of some, you know, a a little, it's a little shocking, you know? Right, because when I think back and I try to think, like, what did we, what did we spend those two hours on? Like, I, it's hard to think about what we did spend them on. Part of it is, is assembling the legacy characters in sort of like an Avengers way, right? Like, because, because Dewey is the one that comes into the situation. They, the, 
the main characters go to Dewey because they're like, in Dewey, you, you fought Ghostface four times. What do you, you live think in a tra- we should do? You live in a trailer yeah. now. How and, are you, and, what's and up? The way that they, they went along with Dewey too is, is really kind of um, frustrating because – this doesn't really feel like Dewey to me, like as a as a character. Like I don't feel like Dewey would, um, oh. would become like this alcoholic type guy to recede into his trailer. Um, so, so th- this is where I would agree with like some of the incels. So the, the, he's <laughs> they Rian Johnson, uh, Dewey. He's Luke Skywalker in the Last Jedi. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, what's Luke doing now? Oh, he's a miserable old fucking curmudgeon who yeah. hates everybody. And... Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of that because I don't, I don't really feel like like when we see Dewey in the screen movies, like I don't feel like he would do that. I don't feel like that's that's his personality to do that. And and almost in this, I I understand people grow up and they change and they they become different, especially when tragedy shapes that, like PTSD. Uh, Dewey talks about. <laughs> I had to laugh when he said, you know, I've been stabbed nine times. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't feel like he would be this character. And I don't feel like David Arquette and, – and this is not really a uh, critique of David Arquette here. It's more so the script. I don't feel like this is Dewey as a person. I like that they got the theme in there, like, one time, whereas, you know, like, the, the little deputy – you know. But I think I – th- I, again, though, I think, though – I mean, I agree. I don't care for it either because, again, like, when you think about it, it's like, oh, well, why is he not with Courtney Cox now, with Gail now? Oh, well, they f- they disagreed on something. That was the fucking premise of Scream 4, you know. Well, why weren't they together anymore? Well, you know, she chose her career and I chose, you know, something else. It's the same fucking thing here again. Like, so that's like, again, there's like a lot of like, you know, parallels of Scream 4. And it's just kind of like, you know, taking the same little aspects out of that, you know, uh, soft reboot. But I mean, I, I, I mean, I think, but that's like a thing that a lot of like these legacy sequels, these, you know, do now. They take oh, like these characters that you know and love, and they turn them into bastards. That well, I'm not saying Dewey's a bastard, but like they change kind of like what you knew about him. Like again, like so. Last Jedi, Luke's not who you fucking thought he was after all these years. Ha ha ha! Kind of like fuck you. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like um, what the hell that came out recently? Oh, like same thing with like Last Jedi, like uh, not Last Jedi, um, Force Awakens. Like Han's different, you know. Han's different. Like they kind of like tweak them, and so it's like, oh, we're turning it, you know, kind of on its nose, you know. Which again, it wor- it works to varying degrees, um, and I think we get to see that with after you know Dewey kind of reassesses like his investment in what's going on in Woodsboro these days, but to see him like kind of like as a down and out like drunk, it's kind of, you know. It yeah. is depressing, a little depressing, because it's like, oh, like what, the, like what the, what? Why isn't he a, sh- on the, a sheriff anymore? <laughs> like, what, what caused him to stop that? Is it the nerve damage? Because they, you know, they <laughs> kind of pa- passively say that, you know. But I mean, yeah, and I don't actually don't think that he has the limp like he does in the uh, in Scream Four. Yeah, and the, and the, and the rest. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I just I felt like they did duty dirty here. They didn't. Uh, and, and I appreciate, you know, they gave him a send-off. But I I think at the same time, I don't really like what they did with this character. Um, I don't really feel like that's a, the Dewey that we know. Oh, um, you know what? As I say, Halloween. 
J- Jamie Lee Curtis is the perfect example. Like, mm-hmm. oh, she went from, you know, your girl next door to crazy grandma. Like, oh, I kill them all! Yeah, and, and, and the thing with, at least with Halloween, though, is that literally long periods of time have passed, and we were supposed to disregard all of the sequels. It's no, I know, but I'm, but yeah. I know, but I mean, at the same time, like it's like, oh, it's been fifty fucking years since you know Michael Myers. What's you know Jamie Lee Curtis up to? She's sitting on her porch with a fucking shotgun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they really wanted to do with Dewey, and you know, I can appreciate that. They wanted to give him a send off and things like that. They wanted to surprise the the fans, um, and you know, and to a certain extent, I assume David Arquette kind of wanted out too. Um, I can't see that man needs money. No, I don't think so. I think he wanted <laughs> out. I mean, and and you know, seeing the plot and stuff for this, you know, I might want out as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think the thing is, you know, like the leg assembling the legacy characters is one part of the movie that takes quite a bit of time because it really doesn't, it doesn't really get those characters into the movie until about an hour in. Um, at, oh, take, it's like Scream 3 with Nev. It takes yeah. fucking forever for yeah. Nev to show up. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm okay with that too because Scream 5 is supposed to be really about these characters. But then when you really think about it and you're like, we didn't learn about these characters. We don't really know that much about anybody besides um, Tara and her sister, Sam. Um, and that's a really big problem at, when it comes to the, to the end of the movie where you're supposed to – be able to, you know, like in the other screams, there is the idea that you could figure out who Ghostface is. You could really sit down and you could kind of hash it out and say, well, logistically, who could it be and what motives did they show us that they really truly had to become Ghostface? In Scream 5, I do not feel like we get any motives for the extraneous characters that we have um, that would indicate that any of them are Ghostface. Uh, regardless of who they are, including our ghost faces. No, it's te- it's telegraphed by a mile and a half. I think it's purposely te- telegraphed, um, and they tell even tell you out front who's who. Like you know, when Dewey says it's always the boyfriend, it's always the love interest. Oh no, no, yeah, no. I I I'm not saying it's not telegraphed. I'm saying character wise and motivation wise, I don't feel that the film gives us any information to indicate the motive well i think so to get on to like what this film is trying to add to like the the meta meta commentary um that you know the franchise is so well known for um ahead of its time um that you know it's critiquing like you know overactive fandoms which Mm -hmm. is something that would be fruit very fruitful for this franchise because it is is something again people take some of this media too seriously and you know need to kind of like assess like the importance <laughs> of like how like you know the shitty parts of it like you know again like you can like certain things of a form of media dislike the other like other parts of it and then like kind of move on with your day and not like get into like a fucking violent argument about like this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And if you like it, you're a cock-sucking piece of shit. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you, you can get past that and be like, look. Like, again, as like a Star Wars fan for like the longest time. It's like, look, if you're a kid that grew up and you love the prequels, God bless you. 
I mean, they look golden now compared to like you know the, what Disney's done to the film franchise. But listen, at the time, like I, I, I guess being older now, like it's like I've lived, th- I've already lived through like you know like oh, what a piece of shit that film, like you know the Clone Wars, Attack of the Clones is. I don't like it. If you like it, God bless you. I, I, I can't find any reason to. But if you like it, God bless you. It's the same thing with like other things. So I, it, it, but it's again, it's ripe commentary. But I don't think they do enough in this film. They have little snippets of, like, you know, YouTube commentators saying, like, Stab 8, what a piece of shit this film is. What's Ghostface Weapon? It's a fucking flamethrower. And you see, like, you know. Yeah, you, know, you didn't notice that uh, that cameo is us. In the, uh, the YouTube video. That's us. But, you know, so, like, I mean, like, and, and that's about it. Like, if, like it's not it's not layered like yeah. the rest of the films. Uh, no. And that's, I think that's a detriment. Cause again, I, I think that is perfect commentary. Cause again, like even though this film apes a lot from scream four and it's like what it's trying to say, it's still that part of like the rabid fan base is even more prevalent today with how prevalent, you know, Reddit has become. Mm hmm as a you know means of like in youtube and like as a means of bitching about things and social media etc and and also because we're exposed to it so quickly there is a very quick um element to being able to speak your mind about how much you didn't like it and that kind of takes the shape of what everybody else start starts to comment on um you know, and and I I do think like th- that idea is interesting for Scream Five, but I don't think the execution is is there. I don't think that the movie um, draws enough attention to that. I will say specifically, and these are spoilers. Um, well, we're a spoiler podcast. Yeah, as as you know, you know, if you're listening to this episode, you probably should have seen it. <laughs> um, we try <laughs> we try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, but there's inevitably going to be some. <clears throat> So spoilers, um, in in this scenario, like I don't really think like we know Amber at all. I do not understand her character. I do not know her motive. We do not really get to see her as a f- movie fan to begin with. Um, I I felt like that in itself was really like Backdown. yeah. I, I I get it too. Like you don't want to make it too obvious. You don't want to make it. So, you know, like, oh, my God, she's such a horror fan. She's, you know, she's just like Stu and Billy who are uh, so much so so big of a horror fan. But at the same time, the film really, like, has no focus on Amber. I would say that the focus on Amber is so minimal that that in itself should give it away to you that she is Ghostface. Because the film will focus on literally anyone else. It will focus on the twins who at least have some semblance of character. At least you know... The, the one twin is gay, right? Like, <laughs> that's like one thing that you know about her that you have no idea about Amber. Like, I was how getting... dare you, how dare you bring your woke bullshit <laughs> to this yeah. fucking podcast? And, and, and not only that, like, so, like, I was, you know, I was even getting the sort of like lesbian vibes from Amber where I was thinking, like, oh, maybe the motive is like no one can have Tara, be- Tara because, you know, that's for, she's for uh... Amber. No, I was th- I was think I was thinking more the stew route, mm-hmm. like just in fact. I mean, maybe 
I mean, you, there's an argument to be made that you know Stu had homosexual you know feelings for Billy. Oh sure, yep. It, it could be you, you know again because, and you know I don't know how many people know Kevin Williamson is gay himself, so and that's why you get a lot of the, like you know nice uh, gay humor in these films and nuances. But I mean, like you can totally take you know the first scream as like. Does he is he infatuated with Stu because he I mean is he infatuated with Billy because you know he sees as as powerful is it because he's in love with him is it because you know like you can interpret it a billion different ways here I kind of just originally I thought maybe Amber was like maybe like you know like Stu's like long lost like niece second niece or something or um. I wouldn't say like like you know I wouldn't say like you know in love with Tara but you know like just like kind of like infatuated like you know like she's my best friend and no one if you know no one can fucking have her I need her you know so yeah I was getting those vibes from it but then at the end of the movie like it doesn't really come to that at all and it it goes a completely different route and the problem with Scream Five's ending the conclusion is that the 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 motive really has to be explicitly told to the audience. Uh, they literally have to espouse, like, we're making a new stab movie. Um, and in this scenario, we're the true life events. Y- you can kind of say that that happens in Scream, but you kind you can see that that element is coming because Stu and Billy are always obsessed with horror movies, and that's been, like, their, you know, their, their entire character throughout the movie whereas in, i think in scream 5 the reason why we have to rely on uh exposition like that the 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 very very explicit um statement of their motive is because we do not know these characters we do not know um sam's boyfriend besides the fact of what the, sh- the film shows us which is that oh he's he's watching stab for the first time in the hospital room um, we do not know Amber at all, except for the fact that she's really, really, really close with Tara. Um, we, the only thing we know about the Meeks twins are that they're Randy's, uh, niece and nephew. Uh, niece and nephew. It, yeah. And we get this, you know, the great cameo by Heather Matarazzo as Martha, <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah. And, but <laughs> the thing is, I feel like we know them just a little bit better though. They're not well characterized. Um, we at least know them a little bit, you know, like. They have, you know, they have love interests. The, um, uh, the one twin. I, I don't even know their names to be honest with you. Cause they're <laughs> oh, they're, they're oh, they're so well characters. I feel I know them. Yeah. What's their name? But the the female Chad, twin, at Chad, least, Chad, Chad Mindy. At least the female twin. She's she's the the Randy of the group. Um, she understands horror movies. She loves horror movies. She's literally watching Stab while she, you know, experiences uh, stabbing with Ghostface. Um. We we sort of know the other twin's girlfriend. I think her is her name Liv. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the you know the <clears throat> the um, hot topic chick. She <laughs> she you know she at least has a little bit of the character. Um, and I would say like Am- the the problem is Amber has no character, and so that's your immediate pick for Ghostface, and. I, I was thinking also, too, because she has that Culkin face, so I was thinking, like, oh, she's got to be but got to be related. But I think that that was my biggest, biggest problem with, with um, Scream 5, is that there is really no um, 
there's no real Suspects. motive. Yeah, like the red there's no herrings. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Um the film tries to make it that way. Like it tries to make you think like, oh, you know, suspect everyone. Like could it be Tara? Could she have potentially, you know, maimed herself four times? <laughs> um well, again, you—I mean, you couldn't do that though, because I mean, well, you could, but I mean, they did that in Scream Four with Emma Roberts, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I—I I guess that—that that was my biggest problem with it was that we didn't get enough motive from our killers to really cement the fact that they should be our killers. Though I will say, I think the whole like uh, when you find out like. For official, Amber is one of the killers, and she pulls out the pistol and shoots Liv in the head. It says Act Three is just starting. That's awesome. I like that. You know, like you know, it's on the nose is all hell, but I thought I laughed pretty fucking loud at that. Like when, because you're like, Liv, you're the killer. Where have you been? You know, like blah 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 blah. blah. You know, you got blood in your hands, and like, oh, Amber, what do you guys say? Third act's about to get begin. Yeah, that's that's a good part. Um. This film goes a little bit more brutal than than um, the other films, like in the stabbing department, where it's it's more like oh, a billion, a billion times more. Yeah, um, I think that it, it for the most part it's fine. Like it works okay. Um, there are some Nothing. instances where I think like it's interesting because it's brutal and also very basic. Like so, no, it's brutal no, but boring. Do you, no, does that there's make no. Sense? No, that does because I mean it's it is brutal and it's much more visceral because you get to watch like you know these you know repeated stabbings, but there's no there's no like creativity to any of the kills. It's mm-hmm. just you know yeah. Uh, the the I think the biggest one was uh, with Dylan Minnette, um, who I just want to point out too. Um, I don't know why they decided to bleach his hair like that, but uh, looks kind of ridiculous that's <laughs> like no he no he doesn't he looks like he's fucking james vanderbeek on dawson's creek and I'm, I'm here for it and uh but not only that but i do also want to point out that dylan minnette has played like a teenage high schooler for like fucking 12 years so the kid has fucking <laughs> failed high school so many times get that kid a tutor <laughs> he's like josh harnett <laughs> yeah i know it's like how how long is this guy gonna be in school um but that kill was pretty uh nice because it has like a very very um explicit knife through the throat which like he's cutting the jugular he's like holding yeah i thought i thought was i thought was cool is it you know because this movie does not like to shy away from that and it you know and that kind of harkens back to scream 2 too with like the whole stabbing through the the um stall into the ear and stuff. Mm. I, I like that. Um, I, I, I don't mind the brutality of it because I thought it was um, brutal but also realistic. But I do also think that it tends to, to run a little bit boring because they're all kind of the same. The, the stabbings are all kind of the same. They don't really have much creativity to them. Um, I did like towards the end, though, the multiple stabbings from Sam, um, which was pretty – uh, visceral. Um, well, uh, here's the thing. Why is nobody saying like, uh, girl, you need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, granted, she has, you know, American werewolf and London syndrome with fucking ghost Billy Loomis. Yeah. Like, what'd you think up. about that? What'd you think about Skeet Ulrich calling, coming back and, and playing Billy? 
unnecessary. Unnecessary for sure. But I do appreciate <laughs> that Ski Ulrich came back for this and did look fairly close to Billy from the original. I They definitely CGI'd that up. I think they CGI'd his face a little bit, yeah. yeah. They did the Luke Skywalker from uh, Mandalorian thing. Yep. Yeah. But you uh, have to appreciate how far fucking CGI and facial recognition has come to be able to effectively I don't I don't I don't appreciate people. I don't appreciate when they do that cuz like when like they did that in like Rogue One with like the guy who's playing Tarkin or you know whoever's playing Leia I I I don't appreciate it. And also too, how does she know what the fuck Billy Loomis looks like? Yeah. So why is it in her head like, oh, Bill, my dad's Billy Loomis, and like she's got like blood-stained Billy Loomis has been shot and stabbed like twenty times, like, yeah, go kill him. Maybe there was a grizzly like rotten dot com picture of him or something after his <laughs> after his death. Wow, going to the fucking <laughs> two thousand two internet right yeah, there, right. rotten dot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, I mean. I mean, it's 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 in there, but I mean, it's so it's unnecessary, and I I don't think it adds nuance to the film. I agree. I don't <laughs> think that it's necessary, and also I, for some reason, it spawned a bunch of clickbait articles of like, "Was Billy a ghost?" <laughs> you know, like something stupid like that. Like, no, Billy wasn't a ghost. Clearly, he was not a ghost in this movie. Fuck, fuck those clickbait articles. <clears throat> um. But I thought they did a good job, at least, and I like to see Ski Ulrich back. I like Ski Ulrich. He's uh he's pretty good in Riverdale, and you know. Oh well, where where the fucks our main boy Matthew Lillard? I do, yeah, that is true. And I feel like Matt, if they had asked him, I feel like Matthew Lillard would have come back. Of I really do. He is he has always seemed like he is extremely proud of his horror lineage, including. Things like Thirteen Ghosts and Scream. I feel like if they had asked him, he'd come back. You know, a man who plays uh, fucking Shaggy whenever he can for limited budgets will will come back for your Scream movie. He well, he's one of the people that provided the voiceover when we get the end credits that says for us. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, and on the Wikipedia page it says. Uh, for the Four West thing, uh, previous actors, Matthew Lillard, Drew Barrymore, Jamie Kennedy, Henry Winkler, Hayden Pantanier, and Adam Brody also hmm. added their voices for the tribute to Wes at the end. Did not know that. Good I mean, know. you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't have been, cause it was just a jumbled up for Wes, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not like you'd be able to like, I mean, unless you record it and isolate, like, okay, where's, who's who in here? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think, like, and I would have liked to have seen that because the film really makes a point of mentioning Stu quite a bit. You know, I really didn't even realize that Stu's last name was Mocker um, until That's they mentioned one th- it like four or five I mean, fucking times I, in this movie. I mean, they mention like they bring him up, but I mean, I I do dislike the fact that they constantly like, well, Billy Loomis was the killer. Billy Loomis, Billy. Loomis. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you're for- you're forgetting Stu. Like right. Stu was in, who had a very, very pivotal role in that murder. I mean, he was very, very much the 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 um, motive brains of the operation. Not only that, when they said too, like, well, 
Billy Loomis is where it's all started. And it's like, no, no, see. And I'm not the only one because someone on Reddit brought it up too. Um, you're forgetting Roman from uh, Scream 3. He set this all in motion by uh, letting uh, Billy know that uh, his uh, mom's a whore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Da- I mean, his dad's uh, cheating on with Cindy's mom or whatever the hell. Yep. So, no, it. Roman got it set, which we need more Scream 3 references in this film. All right. Um, we, we're, we're, like, running short on time. We're, we're really cruising through I have some a, stuff. I have a lot to talk about. I know. That's so, what okay. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, so, so, for, uh, so legacy characters. So, yep. I mean, Nev, t- Nev and Courtney take forever to show up. We yep. get Dewey, yep. who's in our Han Solo role, and he gets Han Solo. The way he dies is just like Han Solo and the force awakens he just walks up gullibly and gets fucking stabbed in the yep. gut I, I hated that i hated that i i do not believe that either uh, unless I, feel, I, 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 I say unless, unless they did that as an homage and parodying like the force awakens where han gets yeeted like that by fucking um adam driver i mean that's the only way it's acceptable it's like that's like why they're doing it other than that it is kind of like you know yeah, stupid did that. not appreciate how they did dewey dirty there um because i don't even believe like literally he leaves the elevator he says nope you gotta double tap him like i don't even believe he would have gone to the elevator he would have fucking unmasked ghost face at that time and and tapped him right there not only that, he's a he's a fucking been a cop for like twenty years. You mean to tell me he's got to get point blank range to fucking? Oh yeah, that's that's what I like too. Is like the Walking Dead, random survivor guy, headshots on galore. You know, fucking twenty x combo. Uh, Dewey, who's been a who's been a cop for twenty five years in in the biggest serial killer town in the country, can't hit somebody for. Yeah. From ten feet away, yeah. he's got to get up and like, all right, let me get it right on their temple to make sure. Yeah, yeah, it is. They did Dewey dirty in this one, and I just hope that um, that uh, David Arquette agreed to that because I I I I don't I think they could have written it a lot stronger than that. Um, I think, and you you had mentioned too, you had sent me that meme and. How the internet was kind of upset that Dewey had been done in by a girl, like you know, like a young girl, um, who, in real reality, you know, like David Arquette should be really able to overpower, <laughs> you know, Ghostface in that scenario. Um, I'm not so upset with that, you know, because you know, surprise and everything, but um, I'm upset with the fact that they made Dewey look so dumb in this, in his final moments. Well, he's drunk, so maybe he just like ah, I'll fucking do it. He he grabbed his uh, extra bottle of Listerine that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does it does make him look foolish. Yeah. Cause, you know. All right, let's. But the uh, way the but but the way he goes up when they're like, "What are you doing?" Like he leaves the elevator. He's like, you "Gotta shoot him in the head." Yeah. Like the way he kind of said it, it made it, you you knew that was his you know. Yep. And they were basically when they were marketing this film because I mean if there was two things I knew going in. It was like I knew the intro because I saw the intro scene before the film came out, and the trailer they were basically with like the way they were kind of you know positioning Dewey. You know you knew if there was anyone obviously out of the legacy characters who were going to go, Dewey was the one that was going to go. Um. How do you feel about the legacy characters um, not 
ne- I guess never being the suspe- suspects. Like in here, the legacy characters are never the suspects. And I think that's a little bit foolish to do because I think that that's a good um well who would you have picked then? I would have picked Gail to be a suspect at least. Um so she can keep cranking out books. I like yeah. that. Yeah, like cuz cuz like I feel like the expectation going in was like, oh, you know what? Maybe they're going to return to the legacy characters and, you know, show how the PTSD, the evil spreads, you know, something like that. Whoa, whoa, evil? Evil dies tonight. <laughs> um all right, so so real quick talking about the legacy characters. So we so we get Nev. Nev shows up real um early on in the film but then doesn't come to Woodboro till later on. Um what do you think about Tough. Nev? Because like I would say with with Sydney, we knew from the trailer that she's coming back to Woodboro that she's going to, you know, she's there's a there's a whole scene in the trailer that shows her well, they, like storming in. Well, um, they, cr- they they cram that scene in every fucking film where you get Nev, you know, showing up into the final act. Yeah, every I, just, every, I, I say every trailer so you knew I, she was I feel she, like they ruined that a little bit. Like I would rather them you know not even uh mention that. Uh, honestly, if I say, I say honestly, if, the, if there was a legacy character to kill off, it would have been her. Sure. Get you know, get I mean, that would have been the surprise, right? And that and that actually know. is is mentioned is like, you know, it's a surprise to lose the final girl from from the originals. Um, I, I think that's it would have been a smart, true, smart, that's, smart thing to do. That's not true. In Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, the original girls killed off in our kitchen in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean surprise in that it doesn't happen, but a surprise in that it's a it's a good trope to use. But I mean, yeah. I mean, but um, God, who would who would be a legacy character that they could dig up to like be like a killer? Because I, I I think there's something to say for it to not be like somebody original. Because then it becomes like really like if it ended up being like Gale was one of the killers, it'd be like really, you know, or Dewey like Dewey. Just yeah, I didn't. Mad. I didn't mean make them the killer, but make them. No, the no, suspect. no. I was saying no. I know, but I'm. I think having somebody who was a legacy character, like, see, here's the thing that I think they could have done that would have made it more a better film. They constantly were mocking the fact that th- there has to be two killers. There's always two killers in these films. Okay. Why not add a third? Mm-hmm. So, like, here you got, you know, Richie, who's your super fan, and Amber, who is also a fan that he tracked down on a forum to make this happen. Why not have, like, a legacy character that set that in motion? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. put those ideas in their head. Because, again, the whole point is kind of, like, tying it back to, the you know, its roots. And I think just, again, because as you said earlier, Amber has, like, such fleeting like reasons to be one of the killers that like it, it's just like kind of like all right here we go you know we're you know they obviously you know flushed out richie and left Am- amber to hung you know up to dry on that but what if you had a third killer where it's somebody who's like from the past that got them on this path that would have been more interesting because, again, like it's adding a new dynamic, adding a third, you know, a third person to the plot. Or hear me out. What if they went the April Fool's Day method of all of those people that we saw die really didn't, a- and they were in on it? 
and no, they're all ghost uh, based. No, that's uh, too stupid. <laughs> but the problem becomes like, well, who would you pick to then be a person to kind of? Yeah. Yep, and that's where you run into the issues, and that's where, and I think that, that you know that's the problem with a lot of the um, the legacy franchises. And things that even run you run into in and in, in what the meta commentary is talking about um, is that you you start to run out of of ways to move the plot in a way that fans have not expected or will not be disappointed with. Um, a perfect example of that is Batman. Batman is a very very difficult franchise to get right. I would not be want to be the writer of Batman um, because. Someone somewhere is going to be disappointed with that storyline. It's not going to be um, classic enough. enough. It's not going to be enough. new enough. It's not going to be funny. Du- yeah, exactly. It's not going to be funny enough. It's not going to be dark enough. It's not going to be. Um, it's 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 going to be a storyline that you recently saw before. There is no way to succeed at creating a Batman storyline without upsetting one group of people that enjoy that that franchise and i think that that's what you run into and that's that's sort of what scream 5 is commenting on there is no really one good way to create a sequel or a requel to a franchise that will uh, basically yeah, exactly that will will be acceptable to everyone um so in a way Scream 5 is a movie that is difficult to critique because you can say, well, I don't like where it went. And then you can say, but that's that's what the film says. God damn. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so um, it has it. I will say that it has it both ways. You know, you can critique it and then you can turn around and say, well, they were they were mocking me for my critique of it. Well, it's – I mean, it is funny, though, because if you want to make, like, the Last Jedi comparisons, right, um, it is funny when you think about a company like Disney who's, like, so invested in, like, properties and making money. Like, they gave J.J. Abrams, you like, your fucking boilerplate fucking director to, like, all right, make, you know, The Force Awakens. Cool. Boof. We're just going to fucking rubber stamp it like it's, you know, it's a new hope. And people are like, yeah, it's derivative, but whoa, more Star Wars. And then you went, hey – Instead of having JJ or somebody else like that's like gonna boilerplate this shit, Reen Johnson, here you go, here you go, do whatever the fuck you want. We don't care. It's gonna make money anyway, you know. And then after the backlash, be like, oh JJ, save this, save us, make, make Return of the Jedi. That's what we want, please, you know. So, um, I I think this film. It's got a, it's it's got enough there for an idea. I just don't think it's like, it's not definitely not fully realized. Yep. I, th- you know, and again, it's a shame too because this film's fucking two hours long. So the fact that they couldn't like you know, have like a focused story is kind of annoying. So, uh, real quick, because we're running out of time. Throw out your, throw out your, all your other observations. What else you got? Quick observations. Boom. Mm, let me pull up the phone real quick. See what else. I like how they got Marnie back. Marnie, uh, what's her name? Uh, the sheriff from Scream Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, J- Judy Hicks. I was sad when she died because I loved her in Scream Four. 
And, and that was a really foolish death, too, because it's straight out in the open. I get what they're doing. They want to show no one's safe, even in the daylight. Daylight is not really a thing that happens in horror movies. It's normally at night. I get it. But at the same time, stupid, because they live in a – it's supposed to be like what? Like a nice suburb of Woodboro, and no one saw this, and no one was concerned about Ghostface. Yeah, no one heard her getting stabbed like 40 times. Before. <laughs> right. Uh, I love uh, the ninety. I love the n- random '90s skate music every now and then. Yep, um, made you really nice feel like punk at the the credit sequence too. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's a nice callback to the original Scream and uh, the font too. Oh, one thing that annoyed me. You're telling me in 2022, kids on school night are going to be going to a fucking pool hall. Love it to play pool. Yep. Not even and not even attempting to get an illicit drink. They're drinking like Virgin uh, Shirley. Shirley Temple. Yeah, I was gonna yep. say like love it. Oh God, it's it's those goody two shoes, man. <laughs> Just like, um, um I, I like the Christine reference. Um, um, how about the, how about the fact that that mullet guy gets second billing at the credits? Second billing. He has nothing to do with the movie. He gets killed off in like the first fifteen minutes. He gets second billing. What did that guy pay? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, as I say, that that mullet guy. Um, I did like the Christine reference because you have his car, like you know, and he ends up getting killed by it, you know, and yeah, I it's did, got this. I, it has the scream music playing, like something's coming to get you. I just, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't enthused with his second billing. That's all. But I so I mean uh, I like that part. Um, not a fan. I'm I'm not a fan of the whole um, Pizza Hut ad. <laughs> Guy's eating Pizza Hut in his bed and he's got the Pizza Hut logo sticking out. I I don't need that. Thank Who you is very it? much. Craig Robinson <laughs> advertising. Um, I did like um, the fact that Dylan Minnette did not get his lemon bars. That was really sad to me. Uh, there was they, a nice little note on the, the kitchen refrigerator. It said, lemon bars in the fridge. I was like, oh, man, he's not getting lemon bars ever again. Cause Judy Hicks also ordered extra edamame for oh, that sushi. How, how, did you, how did you feel about Judy Hicks being like having like a crunchy house? Just like very, very crunchy. I was more upset that a sheriff has a fucking with a single sheriff has like a house that's that palatial. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. How come we didn't hear about her child? Because her kid would have been like six years old during Scream Four. How come we didn't hear about him back then? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, how about how about how about, uh, how about uh, Courtney Cox? Looks fine. Um. A little stiff, but hair, 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 looking on point here. Yeah, they certainly for, did not go the first, Scream Three route. First, like, well, Scream Four, she did too. But I, I, I say, like, I do feel she's she. The, the woman needs to eat. Someone get her some fried dough. She but do you think that maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why her and David broke up? David's like, listen, you, you need to eat, and she's like, no. Do they share any scenes in this movie? Um, no. I don't think they do. Wait, no, 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 they do. They oh, do. They? Um, yes, when, um, it's not a lot, but when he, she shows up and she punches him in the arm and says, what oh, the hell? yeah, that's right. And, yep. and he they goes, what? And 
she goes, you texting me that there's killings? And it's like, what? That's right. Yeah, they do have that one. I was because I was thinking like maybe there's some some hard feelings between them, but uh, maybe not. No, they still get along really well. Oh. They they have for years. They've been divorced for years now. They, uh, from what the media says, at least they still get along very well and are very you know very friendly with each other. Uh, I will say that the uh, the other killer, um, Sam's boyfriend, is uh, very much like Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Uh, I don't want to be very similar to Joshua Jackson. Um, we even get to see um, when Tara's in the hospital, uh, she's watching an episode of Dawson's Creek. Yeah. I uh, I do need to adopt this, the phrase, sincerely get the fuck out. Because I did, I did enjoy that as a as a phrase that I will I will use in colloquial conversation. I did not like, um, as we both don't like when it comes to films, hospitals that are dimly lit oh. with low staff. Yeah. The, the, well, apparently in Woodsboro, again, Woodsboro, after, yeah. a, 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 after, let's say, after Scream 4, where fucking Emma Roberts goes to try to kill, like, a couple of people in the hospital, we're still going to Halloween 2 it up and have no staff, no lights, nothing. Yep. They're, Evil dies tonight. Yeah. They, they, uh, they're operating on a skeleton crew. <laughs> And the film actually has a, a good joke about that at, at uh, Tara's expense. Like, she's a pincushion. She's fucking been stabbed like four times, uh, bleeding all over the place. Uh, you know, but the, it actually like kind of jokes at her expense. But, yeah, I did I did think that was funny with the hospital. What did you think about Amber getting burned alive? I, I liked it. You know, like a nice like little Sopranos moment there. That was funny, too. With like, oh, hand sanitizer. And I said... Then she's like pleading for her life. No, I was just like following the forums. I just need something to follow. Blah blah blah. I'm like, don't you just want to pass the torch? And like, yeah, here's the fucking torch, bitch. Yeah. Oh no, you know, you know, no, you know what the best we haven't even talked about. The best line is when, hello Sydney, this is fucking derivative. It's the most derivative one yet. That's true, but you haven't seen how it ends. I'm hanging up now. Wait. Yeah. Don't hang up. I, I, I just love that. Like, again, like, that make that makes total sense. But, like, the fifth film, like, fucking, like, you know, Dewey. Well, I mean, well, Dewey's dead. But, I mean, like, Gail and, like, Sydney, they've just, like, had enough of this bullshit. Like, all right. Like, yeah, bye. <laughs> and she's just, like, holding a gun and, like, you know, shooting at random doors. Which you would think, by the way, too, like, after all these killings that she suffered through, like, Sydney and Gail and Dewey should be, like, Black belts and Aikido and like master like marksmen's at this point, or have their own like secret service hired they probably, out. They probably can't afford that. But I mean, at this point, you think they're like, all right, listen, I gotta go to Taekwondo and fucking you know. How old do you think Sydney's kids are? Well, who's she with? Is she still with the cop from Screen Three? Right, cause cause she's got a she. In that one scene, she's got a, a stroller. Stroller, yeah. But isn't she like fifty years old now? <laughs> the potential for genetic disorders increases the more geriatric the pregnancy. <laughs> so I'm concerned for her kids at this point. Oh, well, Mev's only forty-eight years old right now. Yeah, like right. That. So forty-eight years old is certainly above the cutoff for when you should have a safe pregnancy and <laughs> yeah, take that you should be watching 
Party of Five. Let's yeah. watch. You know what? Let's do some reviews of Party of yeah, Five. Right? Let's do it. All right. Hey, everybody we, wants to live. Hit the ninety-minute mark. At this point, we're gonna be as bad as the movie in its runtime. So That's we not need true to. At all. How we how, how we need to you? rate this movie. So on a scale of zero to ten, extremely privileged Gen Zers with landlines. <laughs> It's, it's funny dude they even know how to operate it like the phone rings like what do i do yeah. <laughs> like that that to me would have been great like the phone rings like oh what do i do <laughs> yeah. hold on let me let me youtube how do i <laughs> like what's going on like oh your phone's ringing oh okay so out of uh 10 extremely privileged gen zers what what do you give scream five I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I think this is a – it's a good offering. And I think the one thing you can say about Scream compared to a lot of – not just horror franchises, uh, but franchises in general. It's consistently good. Um, each film has its up and da- ups and downs. It has its highs and lows. It's, ne- it's good and it's bad. I think the film is well-directed. I think it's well-shot looks good i think david arquette's great in this i think courtney cox does a great job too and i think nev campbell's great in this film all our legacy characters are back that are great i think the people that portray our new characters do a pretty good job um i think the fact that they aren't uh, the biggest flaw in this film is its writing and i think if this had a more nuanced fleshed out script it would be a much more enjoyable film to watch because, again, the new characters that we get to meet with, though they're competently to well acted, they're not giving a damn thing really outside of these very thinly veiled cardboard characters to portray. Um, I like the idea of them going back to Woodsboro, but again, we did a lot of the themes in this film are straight from Scream 4, going back to Woodsboro, the soft reboot, social media, sequels, etc. The only new nuance they're really adding from the Scream 4 formula is adding that whole angry fandom base. And I don't think the film does a good enough job of trying to portray that. I don't think the film gives a good enough job, does a good enough job of trying to elicit those motives onto our killers. Um, I don't think it's nuanced enough. I don't think it's there's enough there for you to care. I mean, it's telegraphed. There's no real red fo- red herrings. But I don't think it's nuanced enough to really say anything new. It's, it feels like a incre- like an, a retry to scream for. Um, but I do think some of the things like the brutality and the kills, even though they're not really nuanced they're just like these visceral stabbings i think the fact that they kind of you know went that like 2018 halloween route it does add like a a visceralness that gives this film like an edge that the rest of the films don't have i'd be interested to see where the film go the the franchise goes from here i mean they are making scream six is in production right now but i think they need better writing they need to get somebody i mean i i'm fine with the directors that we had I think they had a good take on the franchise, but I think they need somebody with a better understanding of the franchise and 
a better idea on what to commentate on next for it to be effective. Otherwise, it's going to be just a pandering shit show. But I'd give this a seven. I think this is a well-executed film. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm giving this a six point seven five. My oh, that's, my, that, yeah, my that's gen, that. my Gen Z or lost an arm. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I so I I I think that it's a fairly good movie. Um, in itself, I think that the script is really lacking. I, I do think that the dialogue itself is an issue. Um, the the actual plot is is fine but i do wish that we got more characterization to really sell that motive um i also think that we squandered the two-hour runtime um on things that don't really add to the movie's um context at all so i think that like while it was probably necessary to have like an hour and 40 minute movie um, the two-hour mark for this movie is really unnecessary, and I think that we could have cut it down a little bit um, to have a really like nice, nuanced film um, that I wish had more characterization to it that really spoke to red herrings and um, gave more motive for our killers. Um, I like the meta-commentary. I like the idea that we're kind of like in the midst of requels, and the film tries to... Uh, have some say in that and like what uh, the criticisms of requels are at the same time um, you know the criticism of not going far enough with a, a requel or a sequel um, I like that and I think that the the fact that it does that makes it sort of hard to critique the movie because um, everything that you try to critique on has kind of been covered by the movie so that it's it's sort of like um, you know, impossible to critique, but I think they did a fairly good job, um, creating new characters to, um, to follow and having the legacy characters come in. Um, but I don't know that it's entirely a successful venture. And I would like, like you said, to, to see a different, uh, uh, set of writers. Um, ideally Kevin Williamson coming back to write another movie that, um, has a better grasp on the meta commentary that Scream 1 and Scream 4 had um, that tackles current contemporary topics about movies, but also uh, past slasher movies too. Because I feel like this movie really only tackled more contemporary elements and um, that, to its, to its uh, uh, downfall. Uh, but I I enjoyed it for the most part, so that's why I'm giving it a six point seven five, um, because it doesn't really quite hit that seven mark for me. Um, but it's not bad enough where I think it kind of like falls into, um, you know, below average fare. Would you have preferred to have seen a film that's more uh, legacy character based or more like okay? we have new characters and maybe it's not set in Woodsboro and it's uh, basically a start anew. Um, it's a good question. With better writers, I would have liked to have seen it without the legacy characters. Um, Scream 4 is a pretty good, you know, like send off for them. Yeah, exactly. 
I th- I think that this one, like we said, is hindered by the writing. Um, so it kind of requires those legacy characters as like a crutch. But I think with better writers, we could kind of do a send off to those other uh, legacy characters and kind of like stand on its own. Um, so I would have I would have liked to see uh, without the legacy characters with new characters um, with better writers. All right, that was fun. That was a that was a fun episode. Uh, hopefully, you've uh, stuck around this long to to listen to our entire thing because I we it's been a while since we've done you know uh, uh, thirty uh, I'm sorry an hour and thirty minute uh, episode. So hopefully you've stuck around for that. Um, what are we doing next time? Are we do are we gonna try to do Spider Man? Actually, we did that for the French Dispatch not that long ago. That's true. We yeah, we did a, did a pretty long episode for that one too. Mm. That's uh, I'm sniffing my own farts right now. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? What are, are we doing? Um, Spider-Man next week. If it's available. All right, all right. So uh, we'll 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 uh, we'll uh, bank on that. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get an episode out next week. We oh, did you, did I say? Did you like the fact that uh, one of the characters named after Wes Craven? As an homage, I didn't even notice to be honest with you. Wes Hicks, you idiot! I get yeah. I mean, I guess so. I didn't. I didn't really put two and two together. I guess. Oh, I was drunk. I was too distracted by the hair. It was great though. It was like you're watching Halloween H two O. That is very true. <laughs> yeah, or like the faculty. Josh Hartnett can't get over how messy his hair is. See, this is this is all going back to Josh Harnett and Kevin Williams. Wow, there was so much, so much included in this that we didn't even, we didn't even touch on. It's crazy. I, those are films for you to look back at in our podcast too, because yeah. we did Halloween H two O and we've done the faculty as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, we have. Famke Jansen. That's all I'm saying. All right, so. Um, Thanks for listening to our show. We are on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at anchor.fm. You can subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review on there. That always helps us out. We are on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Just search for us on there. Blowing Black Rum Podcast. Uh, Like us and uh, follow us and whatever else you can do on those social medias. Uh, We have an email address. At Blood and Black Rum Podcast at gmail.com. Write to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. If you don't like any of our uh, audio recordings, take that into consideration. And you can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Whatever you subscribe, uh, we will put back in beer. So we'll have that on the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks thanks a lot for what you can uh, give our way. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, so hopefully you'll tune in next time for our, our new episode, which will... I think be next week. We kind of go back and forth between bi-weekly and weekly, so we'll see how that goes. On, uh, Availability. Bingo. My uh, my um, uh, itinerary. We'll we'll call it. So uh, thanks for listening, and we hope to see you back next time. Take care. <laughs>